Thank you for being here tonight to gather to continue to think about the disciplines of a disciple with us. Um, I'm going to be preaching on the very well-known Baptist topic of fasting. So I know, I know, you've heard countless sermons on this. You could, you probably can't even count them all within the last year that you've heard on fasting. Uh, so I'm just going to repeat a lot of things you've already heard. But so just bear with me. Uh, or maybe, maybe uh, fasting might be a discipline, uh, a practice that we could involve just a little bit more in our lives and think about. And I hope um, that tonight I'll just shine a, maybe a, a, a better light on fasting for you, that it doesn't seem so uh, maybe ancient or weird or uh, just completely horrible and why would I ever do that, but something that you can truly meet with God in. So if you would, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. And if you would uh, stand for the reading of God's word this evening. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. So then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted forty days and forty nights. And afterwards, he was famished. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone." And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I brought us to this passage tonight because it is uh, the most memorable of Jesus' fasting. It's quite often when we think of fasting, we maybe think of Jesus out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and maybe that's what starts to put up a block in our head because we're like, well, I definitely could not go without food for 40 days. And I'm in no way telling you to tonight. But I think Jesus here in practice, and then later in some of his words that we're going to look at, demonstrates that fasting is a key discipline in the life of a disciple. One, to make sure and remind ourselves of our complete and utter dependence upon God. And then two, as a way to prepare us for what God is going to do in our lives and the trials that we might face along the way. Now, I know uh, you might think that, well, this is just Jesus fasting, so he did all the good things, but, 
you know, that was Jesus, and he kind of did things, and I don't really get to that level. So I thought I would quote out of a, a book by Nathan Foster, in which he uh, gives a little highlight of just some other people that fasted. So just bear with me here. It's kind of a long list. Throughout Scripture, fasting is a well-recognized spiritual discipline, ranging from Daniel's partial fast to Jesus' absolute fast. The list of biblical personages who fasted reads like a who's who of Scripture. Abraham's servant when he was seeking a bride for Isaac, Moses on Mount Sinai, Hannah when she prayed for a child, David on two separate occasions, Elijah after his victory over Jezebel, Ezra when he was mourning Israel's faithlessness, Nehemiah as he was preparing for the trip back to Israel, Esther when God's people were threatened with extermination, Daniel on numerous occasions, the people of Nineveh, including the cattle, involuntarily no doubt, Jesus as he began his public ministry, Paul at the point of his conversion, the Christians at Antioch as they sent off Paul and Barnabas for their mission endeavor, Paul and the others as they appointed elders in all the churches, and more. In his teaching on the subject, Jesus simply assumed that the children of the kingdom would fast and was giving instruction on how it could be done with spiritual success. But I know, I know, we like things quickly and we like things when we, when we want them. I mean, just look at the world around us, right? If you want a burger, you can get one in about two minutes if you ride, drive to the right place. If you uh, suddenly remember, oh, I forgot that thing when I was at the store, well, just pull out your smart device and uh, click it away and order it. It could maybe be there later today, definitely within two-day shipping, and you can get it as soon as you need. Why wait for anything? Why deny ourselves anything when we live in a society that says, have what you want when you want it? So fasting is a, is a very odd thing to even think about. Why deny myself something? When everything around me tells me to go and enjoy whenever and as fast as I want it. And so we come to begin to think about what is the heart of fasting? I know the new year just started and maybe some of you decided uh, that this was going to be the year that you were going to exercise and eat healthy. Some people think, oh, maybe I'll start a little fast and it'll help kickstart a health diet trend for me. While our motives are always mixed, I think, when approaching God, I want to examine why Jesus went to fasting tonight and why we should drive ourselves to it. So in Jesus' later words in Matthew chapter 6, if you're still open there, feel free to flip over with me. Jesus is uh, giving a sermon you might have heard of. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins to talk about several things. He talks about prayer. He talks about giving uh, of our offering, our money. And then verse 16, he says, And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen, not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Here, Jesus demonstrates, uh, once again, that our actions in going to God are, are not just for public um, praise, right? So 
his problems with, in prayer with the Pharisees and whatnot were that they were saying their prayers very loudly on the street corner so that everybody would know that they were holy. When they fasted, they would, they would had ways of making their faces look just so you would know, man, it must have been days since he had any bread. And so here Jesus is attacking a heart issue of a certain group of people who, uh, well, they like to let people know that they were really following along in God's law. And what he wants to highlight for us is that fasting is something very worthwhile when aimed towards growing closer to God. I mean, would we look at giving money and say, ah, that was just something they used to do back then. I'm not going to really worry about that one. Prayer, ah, that was just something they kind of did back then in those early days. Eh, I'll just move on. Don't worry about that one. Oh, reading the scriptures, nah, that was, for those, that was for those olden days, you know. I moved past that. But yet we love to just skip right on past fasting. Oh, you know, that was for those old holy men. Or the monks way off, you know. The people that actually, you know, want to go and do that, that's fine. But not necessary for my spiritual life. And I'm here not in any way to shame us. I myself have not dabbled that much into fasting except in recent years but instead to try and show that this is a beautiful part of life in the Trinity. So you might have noticed um, that I backed this up and we started reading in Matthew chapter 3. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? You're like, Keith, did you back up too far when you were writing down the scripture and you just had to read this? No, I did it intentionally and on purpose. Uh, I wanted to highlight what happened to Jesus right before he went out first fast, and it was his baptism scene. This beautiful scene in which we see the Trinity together, the Father speaking words of affirmation down, the Son in action, the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. And it was this relationship, this beautiful relationship of the Trinity, that Jesus was wholly dependent upon his entire ministry. There was not a thing that Jesus did, not a word that Jesus spoke outside of his relationship, constant dependence upon the Trinity. And sometimes uh, when, we, when we look at fasting, we might think of it as a way of uh, maybe kind of uh, punishment or whatnot. You know, it's linked always to Jesus' temptation. So we're like, uh, you know, I don't really want the temptation. Does, does fasting and temptation go hand in hand? But what I want you to see is that the reason Jesus was able to fast, why he went to fast, is because all of his nourishment, all of his sustenance came from, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. The spirit constantly with him. So when I speak about fasting, it is so that we can realize that we too are in those shoes. We don't like to admit that we are uh, dependent beings. We like to believe that we're very independent, don't we? It's okay. You can admit it. I do. I know I really love it. You know, I remember when I first got out from my parents' house and was out on my own. Uh, the world was mine. Independence. Whatever I wanted to do. If I wanted to go to Whataburger for dinner, mom couldn't say no. <laughs> Independence. What a wonderful thing. But really, we're dependent on a lot of things in life. We maybe just pretend that we're not. I'm sure none of you are dependent upon a cup of coffee every morning, right? 
Nobody. Nobody just wakes up and says, man, I just really need my cup of coffee if I'm going to get going today, right? Nobody? Okay, I, I didn't think so. Definitely not maybe in Houston, depending upon our car, you know? My car had to go in the shop recently, and then all of a sudden Liz and I were down to one car. Oh, no. You thought the world would end. Yes, I'm afraid we're dependent on quite a few things in our life. And sometimes those very good things, like coffee or transportation or money, food even, sometimes um, it kind of shifts up more and more in our life. And maybe sometimes it starts to nudge God out of the way. Maybe even sometimes it's ourself. Maybe sometimes our dependency is upon ourself. Oh, I'll take care of that. Oh, I've got that. Oh, I'm going to take care of this. Oh, I'll handle this. Oh, it'll be okay if I'm in charge. And so what fasting does for us, when we fast, we start to remove away these things that we like to cover up our life with, whether it be food, media, entertainment, talking, having the first word, having the last word. When we begin to remove these things, we start to see what's really going on beneath the surface of ourselves. That maybe we're not as dependent upon God as we would like to say when we're at church. And so what fasting helps us to see, it helps us identify these things that we are maybe a little bit too dependent upon. And then to replace God right back in the place where he should be. As our ultimate source of nourishment, of life of why we wake up every single morning, of what drives us through our day, what carries us through our day, the energy that gets us through our day, always to be God. In John chapter 4, we see an interesting story with Jesus on many, on many levels. First off, he, he speaks to a woman, which uh, greatly disturbs his disciples at first. On top of that, she's a Samaritan woman, so that's even more of a shocker. And we move past all of shock after Jesus has talked to this woman. He's, he's revealed to her things that she wondered how he knew. She goes back into town to, to talk to all of the people in her city. And his disciples come up to him in verse 31. And they were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat. That you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, uh, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. He goes on to talk about reaping and sowing. And you have to wonder, you have to just imagine, the disciples must have been really confused at that point, right? They were looking around, trying to see, did you see any food wrappers on the ground? I mean, he says he has food we don't know about. Did he sneak something? Did the woman give him something? Just so confused about the whole thing. But I think what Jesus was showing us here in his life was that his ultimate source of nourishment, again, was his relationship with the Trinity. To do the work of the Father and working with the Spirit to bring life into people. He brought life into this woman who most definitely had felt dead for a long time. 
Here Jesus brings life and brings life into a whole city. And it was that that nourished him, that sustained him. In the life of Jesus, we see demonstrated a dependency upon the Trinity. So what I would ask us to think about is how can fasting be incorporated in my life to help me to fully realize my dependency upon God? That ultimately, at the end of the day, I need to release everything about me to God. To put my full life in the offering plate, if you will. Jump on in and say, all that I am is for you. All that I am is for you, God. Dallas Willard is quoted from the Divine Conspiracy saying, The practice of fasting goes together with this teaching about nourishing ourselves on the person of Jesus. It emphasizes the direct availability of God to nourish, sustain, and renew the soul. It is a testimony to the reality of another world from which Jesus and his Father perpetually intermingle their lives with ours. So we move through this world differently as followers of Jesus. We draw our life from a different place than others who do not follow Jesus. And it's always tempting to draw our life from other things, from our work, from countless other things, media, our family, our relationships. But again, Jesus in his practices always point back to drawing source of life from himself, from the Father, through the Spirit. I'd like to say a few words about fasting, if I may. Maybe it's starting to seem a little bit more uh, appetizing. Is that, is that the right word for it? Maybe not. Maybe not. That was a joke. You can giggle a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so if you are, maybe, maybe these words of mine are starting to open you up a little bit. And you're like, I'd like to consider going into a fasting moment to see what God might reveal to me. I'd like to just give a few practical words, if I may, to you about how to enter into that. One is obviously to think about doing a food fast. Now, for those of you that maybe have uh, certain dietary restrictions and whatnot, don't feel like a food fast is the only way, and I'll speak into that in just a minute. But if you are considering a food fast, I'd highly consider picking up a copy of uh, Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines, flipping to chapter 2, I think page 56 or 57. And in that, he just gives some easy instructions for how to enter a fast and how not to. Um, For those of us that are very... uh, off away from thinking about how to fast, he gives them just very basic elementary things to think about. I'd also tell you to think about, think beyond food as well. Think about what really consumes you. When's the last time you were away from your phone for an hour? When's the last time you uh, didn't get home and flip on the news or check the TV right away? When's the last time you didn't talk for 20 minutes? When's the last time you didn't feel the urge to go and uh, check your social media status to see how many likes that last post got? There's lots of ways that we can enter into fast. Maybe it's to say, for every evening this week, I'm not going to turn on the TV, and when I get home, I'm going to put my phone down, and I'm going to turn my attention either to your family or to God. 
What would it look like to say, I'm going to go away. I've got a day off. I'm going to spend half of that day in silence. (laughs) Allowing God to speak to you in prayer. Fasting from the need to speak and to talk. It's a hard one for me. Maybe to enter into these uh, 40 days that are coming up, marked on starting on Wednesday, leading into Easter, to think about something in which you can set aside for that season of time. Something maybe that you do regularly, so that when you think about that thing, you can be attent- form your attention back to God. See, fasting's not that scary, is it? No, thank you. It's an easy thing for us to be able to step into. And in it, I believe, I know that God shows us things that maybe if we were just trucking along, fully dependent upon ourselves and all of these things, we might miss along the way. Fasting isn't for us to self-mortify ourselves or to do as the Pharisees did and walk around and say, I'm so faintish today. I've been fasting for a whole week. Oh, but my prayer life has been so wonderful. But instead, it's a place for us to come, to meet with God, to say to him, I am all yours. My life, all that I am, is dependent upon you. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. It's a quote from Richard Foster.